we haven't talked about this movie at all. We don't even <laughs> we don't even know what we're gonna say. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, oh, I got lots of things to say. Well, I know that. Welcome back to Movieology, the show that engages the spectacular world of film with colorful commentary. With their insightful review, hosts Eric and Michael talk you through the star-studded casts, drama, and hype to distinguish the greatness underlying the hottest new movies, hits of the year, and favorites of all time. So here are your hosts, Eric and Michael. Oh, I'm Michael. I'm Eric. Welcome to Movieology, episode three. Three, right? Yeah, we're we've, the... we've now formed the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we add more episodes to it, it will be uh, the increasingly, increasing, increasingly wrongly named trilogy. What, right, but it'll be trilogy like two. Douglas Adams. Remember trilogy that three. from Hitchhiker's Guide? Every time he added a book more than three to it, he, <laughs> it was book four in the increasingly wrongly named <laughs> trilogy. Because all, because all, because all lines. great trilogies come in three. <clears throat> yeah, this is getting, it's getting awkward. Okay, well this this month we decided to do a romantic comedy of all things, and it's, it's actually something we've wanted to do for a while, and uh, that you've wanted to do for a that while. I've wanted to do for a while because I'm a I'm a romantic by nature, and you had me at romantic comedy. I, yeah, yeah. Um, and I could I could probably tell you it's it's due to the more to the comedy aspect than the romantic aspect, but I'd be lying. I like the I like equal parts romantic and comedy. You should just stop now while you're and, behind. Yeah, I probably should. I probably should. Um, we should probably start all over again and just and just delete the opening. But hi, I'm Michael, and this is my really cheesy and sappy friend Eric here to talk about romance and and other manipulations and other things. But no, I mean it's it is it is true because as I said before, I'm a I'm a sucker for drama, and a good romantic comedy has drama in it. It, it incorporates it into it, um, and I, I guess that kind of begs the question: What is a good romantic comedy? I know, seriously. Um, but but I do think I do think it, it has elements of drama in it, and if it's done well, which the movie that we're reviewing today does, the movie that we're reviewing today is called. Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. I was. <laughs> Did you was, seriously go blank on that? Blank. Wow, yeah, I was. That was amazing. It's kind of a kind of a bizarrely named movie. It's still, um, it just it just doesn't stick for some reason. I can't I can't ever remember the name of it. I, well, they must have just named the movie after the book, right? Probably. It was sure. based on a book. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. Oh. Good. But we're at the Daily Grind, by the way. Yeah, we're so all the sounds of like, what is this? Toad the wet sprocket or. Who is this? Anyway. No. Uh, um, yeah. Not our fault. We're not actually playing background music right yeah. now. Yeah, semi-sonic. Get That's us, who it is. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Closing get, time. Get it, get us um, into the mood. Yeah, we're we're listening to closing time at the opening of the show. It's appropriate. <laughs> All right, let's get on with things here. What, what, are, what are we actually are we doing here? <laughs> what, is, right. what is the point of this this whole podcast? Michael. Well, I mean, we're talking about romantic comedy, so first off, the point of this entire podcast is, okay, maybe moot, but um, I don't like romantic comedies in general. Why not? Because they're dumb, in general. Yeah, but that's not a very good reason. Okay, well, 
I think they trivialize comedy and they trivialize romance okay. in general. How so? And, well, okay. It's like Valentine's Day romance. And it, it oftentimes devolves into circumstantial comedy or situational comedy, mm-hmm. which is funny for a time, but there's a reason why sitcoms are like 30-minute shows. Right. It's because right. after, you know, about 30 minutes of that, you're like, okay, this is tedious, I'm right. tired, I'm ready to move on. But I'm ready to watch another one in a different setting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe. Because Friends follows Cheers. Yeah, you know, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna watch it's a it's a completely different concept. They're in a bar now, uh-huh. okay. Rather they're, than in a yeah, living room, they're not room. in an apartment. They're in a bar, <laughs> so it's different. See, yeah, and the people are a little bit older, but they're all in New England but for some yeah, reason. Yeah, and they're all friends. <laughs> right, I don't get it. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I'm going to bed. But that was actually my cue when I was younger. Time to go to bed was when Cheers came on. <laughs> I was like, where everybody knows her. I'm like, good night. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all. Yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I think there, I think there's, and that, that's, that, that's why I'll say a well-made romantic comedy. Okay, name some well-made romantic comedies. Silver Linings Playbook. I agree with you. Okay. But I don't know that you could call it... Okay, I would say that it definitely has romantic elements, mm-hmm. and it definitely has comedic elements. Right. But I don't even know that I would categorize it as a romantic comedy. It's ultimately a drama. Yeah. 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 And a good one. Mm-hmm. A good, solid one, which any drama should have elements of, you know, right. all these uh, all these other things, too. Right. Just to give you, you know, some interest. Right. But this is... I think this, this movie is a comedy in the true literary sense of the word, where... The, the protagonist does learn what he's supposed to learn and he, he comes out better. He, he, he doesn't continue repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. He learns from his mistakes. They both do. The guy and the girl. And they they, they, it, and they get does, together in the end rather than dying. It, it, has, it has the... Right. Which the, That's the difference between comedy and tragedy. Maybe. The end of comedies are usually marriages. The ends of tragedies are usually yeah, but, mass death. But not always. <laughs> Everybody can live, and it can be, still be a tragic story, because oh, nobody, nobody's learned the lessons of the story. Nobody's learned what, what, what is that. They just continue on in their, in their depravity or in their, um, in their mistake-making. And, that, and that's, a, that's a tragic story. Right. That, I was thinking more in terms of like classically defined, like Shakespeare. You can almost always... Well, you can there count on Shakespeare that, to kill everybody off eventually. In a tragedy, yeah. but not in a comedy. Right. In the comedy, you have mass weddings. Mm-hmm. Like, Much Ado About Nothing, where like five couples get married at the end, and then you have a, like Hamlet, where everyone dies in the same spot. So like, what does that tell you, then? That, that, I mean, that, that does tell you that romantic comedies today, even if they're, even if they're doing it in a kind of silly way or, or a, 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 an idealistic way... They're really moving toward that same ideal. By the way, that sound in the background is they're they're uh, extending the subway tunnels into the, uh, the cafe here. Yeah, either or they just fired up the margarita maker. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's the same it's the same thing because the ideal is a wedding. The ideal is happily ever after. Right. Yeah, I guess. So I mean, it it may be it, it may be trite the way it's done in in a. In a modern telling, but it's still, it's still the ultimate ending, and they lived happily ever after. Yeah, it's just, it's getting to the point where that's so tired that it just doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah, but but that's what happened here. That's what happened in 
Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, but the interest of the movie was not the point at which you got to They Lived Happily Ever After. It was the the it was all of the complications up to that that made right. the movie worthwhile. Exactly. That's what made it worthwhile. That that's what makes the what makes the ending so much sweeter. But the question is, would it really be happily ever after? I mean, even in the case of Silver Linings Playbook, are these people happily ever after? Like for for Rizzle? That's just it. We don't know. And and that's and that's where that that's where you leave it. And I think that's a that's a good place to leave it because it starts a whole new it starts a whole new story. That's okay. that story was about these people and what what brought them together particularly. Particularly. Right. And maybe one of the things that makes romantic comedies so awful is that they are almost always extremely formulaic extremely oh, sure. stereotyped where right. it's like this is the man that every woman wants this is the woman that every man wants and this is the story of how through you know plot devices and other very obvious things they came together in the end you know and I mean like like Nicholas Sparks this is a classic example of basically the pretty much the worst romance movies ever made <laughs> right okay, you've got like You've got, like, a noble man with a shady past who becomes great through the love of a woman who also has a past, but he doesn't know that at first. And when he finds out about it, or she finds out about his past, there is a betrayal that is then extenuated and made worse by plot devices that enter from the external environment of the characters, at which case they feel betrayed and leave one another for a time, and then realize how much they miss one another and come back together in a glorious climax, usually, you know, punctuated by by some kind of a steamy shower scene. You know, like, somehow or another there will be rain and (laughs) (laughs) clothes will need to be taken off. You know, it's like, it's so tired. It's so cliche. And yet, and like every novel that Nicholas Sparks has ever written basically follows something along those lines. Well, let's not just limit it to Nicholas Sparks. Okay, fine. Every romance novel pretty much ever written basically follows some lines, you know, something along those lines. Um... And it's definitely stereotypes. Sure. I mean, well, very, very much stereotypes. Okay, so that, that that leads into one of the main reasons why I wanted to do a romantic comedy. The whole idea of the one, or the soulmate, that, that there's there's one there's one person out there for each for each other person. And that the idealistic situation that that, that sets up. Why why does everybody Again, not not every, but but why why does why is that always as portrayed as the as the storyline? Well, you know, you have something that's going almost diametrically opposite to that, and that is why is it that it's the same kind of woman and the same kind of man Explain. with all the same qualities? Like what? Okay, so for instance. Plus, you can talk about the one, which would indicate that there's a unique one for every person that is particularly fitted for that person, Mm -hmm. right? And you just need to find the one that's fitted to you. But then when you go and you watch a romance, romantic comedy, you're you're never going to see... The computer nerd. Exactly. Right. You're never going to see the computer nerd and the girl that works with the computer nerd. It's going to be like weird science where you have the computer geek, but then the bombshell woman, that's the woman that every man wants. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, you know. But she just wants to be loved for her mind. Right. No. (laughs) Yeah. In the end, yes. (laughs) No. But uh, so you have have both of these operating at the same time. This 
illusion of uniqueness and individuality coupled with a desire for general acceptance. So, like, if I can gain the love of this woman that every man loves, then that will confirm that I am a generally desirable or generally decent or generally wantable person, right? So you have these two drives, and they really are opposing, right? They are opposing the desire to establish your own individual uniqueness and the desire to be generally liked, mm-hmm. generally accepted, right? And so romantic comedies, they, they're, they're kind of running cr- against themselves. They're like, they're like trying to fulfill both of those desires, both your desire to be unique and your desire to be generally the same as everyone else so that you don't stand out, so that, so that you're not a freak. You so know. give an example of a bad one then, of, of one that, that just that follows exactly the pattern that you just said. A bad romantic comedy? Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many, I just can't think of one. No, no, really. Like, there are really... But Nicholas Sparks is a good example. <laughs> um, definitely. Have you ever heard of Nicholas Sparks? Have you ever heard of Nicholas Sparks? He <laughs> makes bad movies. Well, his books make yeah, bad movies. He makes bad books first, yeah, and then and they then, turn those into they movies. they turn those into worse <laughs> movies. I've never read any of his books, so I don't know. They're probably better than the movies. I don't know. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, let's think of one other than that. Uh, like the, the the lady that died not too long ago, Nora Ephron. Oh, she yeah. made Sleepless in, um, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. Okay. Um, and, I, and maybe some others, but those are the two that... that like like the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movies. Right, 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 right. So that's, that's, a, that's a good example. Is it? Yeah. Sure. How so? Well, because... Okay, let's just start with Sleepless in Seattle particularly. You've got these two people... Right, and they've both they've both lived these separate lives, and there's like this mysterious, almost faded connection that's going to bring them together because it's so clear that they are in fact the one for one another, right? So I mean, that's like the main that's the main idea there. Like she's engaged to this other guy, but that's got to get broken up because that guy is just the, the typical dude he's a good dude he's not a bad dude yeah. but he's not the one right like Tom Hanks is right and um, so I mean that that definitely fulfills the the unique individual need for a unique individual connection right that's one of the romantic companies that would definitely fulfill that role okay in the in the pop culture or whatever but then you have these other romantic comedies where you have the typical bombshell woman. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, a typical bombshell Larry Crown. Joe is telling me Larry Crown. Oh. Which, which I saw, and I thought it was just the most awkward, terrible thing ever in the world. Uh, well, I, yeah, I saw it, and I can't remember much about it. I don't so remember I, a lot, except for that it seemed like Tom Hanks was trying really, 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 really hard to be hip and cool. And I don't, I don't mean his character was trying really, 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 really hard. It's like Steve Martin. I, I don't want to see Tom Hanks become like Steve Martin, where Steve Martin's just not willing to age, you know, gracefully, and he's still being silly and zany. Anyway, moving on. Um, it, it would still probably follow those uh, to some extent, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're all in these different relationships that they think and he's trying to become this man that he thinks people are gonna like Larry Crown is you know he's like okay I'm riding a scooter now so that makes me a little bit cooler and I'm gonna start wearing my leather jackets and and, you know doing this kind of stuff and being younger and hipper and all this stuff and um, wear a scarf yeah be hip (laughs) hipster and uh, 
he needs to take unpretentious off. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then, uh, yeah, and then, of course, you know, you have this thing where they always have to meet and not like one another. That is that is an absolute necessity of a romantic comedy. That when that there be all sorts of external reasons why they shouldn't be together, that they have to overcome in the end. And the first one is usually that they just don't like each other mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They don't hit it off. Right? I mean, that is like the classic one. They meet, it is, and it, and it is jerk. it is a it is a, a cog in the wheel of the the one concept. concept. Even though that that's what they're what they're. The, the end result is right. they still when they first because I mean if, if if there's one out there for you it, it should happen immediately right I mean it, you sh- it, it should whether you meet them when you're five or whether you meet them when you're 45 the star line and everything should should click together but it doesn't work out that way it doesn't work out that way because unlike the uh, ancient Greeks and other people we don't really put a whole lot of stock we don't put as much stock into the predestination concept so like we don't really want it to be determined. We want it to be the struggle of the individual to find the one, overcoming all odds mm-hmm. and all obstacles. Almost be, almost like it no longer becomes a lining up of the stars mm-hmm. or a situation of fate or the gods, you know, aligning but your they, lives. But they, but they, they line up slowly. They, yeah, I know. But that's what's funny is like you can't really have it both ways. And that's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know. But they want it. They want to have it both ways. Right. You know. You want why? Have, because that's a good dramatic element. Okay, it is. Yeah, but I mean, but then you have the combination then in those moments of the 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 free will and determinism right like coming together where right. you know it's the action and force of the individual actors that are dr- that are uh, drawing them and per- to pursue this other person right o- overcoming all odds right well the concept of the one that's totally predestination exactly but yeah, yeah. on the other hand oh, yeah. you have this other idea that's definitely connected which is that if there is a one and that one is is the only one that you could truly be with. Then that's obviously determined, predetermined, right? right. You know, so so yeah. I mean, that, that that concept's definitely there. But our culture, our our culture militates against that because we don't we don't want. If it were like pure Greek tragedy, you would be helpless in the face of what was determined for you beforehand by the gods. You'd be like Luke in the tractor beam. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just have nothing. You can't do anything. Right. Right, about it. So, so like, in, in fact, the, um, the, the, the power of Greek tragedy was the fact that people attempted to accomplish their own will mm-hmm. in the face of fate and... Ended up shaking meeting, their fists at the gods all the while. Exactly, they actually their will. threw their own attempts right. to escape their fate. Ended up accomplishing their fate, and that was the tragedy of it. Right, but like in the end, no matter what you do, you will follow wah, the determination wah, wah. of the gods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's terrible. Um, and so we hate that as a culture, as an individualistic, you know, quote unquote, you know, unique oriented or uniqueness oriented culture. We hate that idea. And we don't like thinking that things are lined up for us. And so, but there's, a, there's, a, but there's not the same mystery. If it truly is just you as an individual accomplishing everything that you're supposed to accomplish, where's the romance in that? Sure. There's no romance in that. The, the romance comes when it's like uh, when when God or the gods or fates or whoever has almost placed in the fabric of the universe 
the meaning of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Because without that, all it is is just molecules and atoms bouncing off one another. Right. Right? Um, So there isn't even any romance at that point. It's just... And that that truly is a tragedy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's just mechanics and bodies. And actually, yeah, there there you go. Like, in some ways, that is the difference, um, even in Shakespeare. Like, you have have King Lear, you know, who's who's yelling against uh, the, the rain and the storm and saying, what is it? What is it? It was sound and fury signifying nothing. Right. Right? So it's just all just matter. Meaninglessness. Meaningless. Yeah. Right? And there, that's a very important element of Shakespearean tragedy and of tragedy in general is, is there meaning? Is, is nature concerned about life? Right. Is life intrinsically meaningful? And in most tragedies, the answer is, at least in the short term, no. Right. It's not. When all these men die on the battlefield, you know what? The, the sun doesn't give a crap. Right. The sun raises, raises itself in the morning just like it did the day before, and it doesn't seem to care at all. Right. You know, and, and the universe continues to do its thing, and it doesn't care. Right. And so, do the gods care? No. They've made us for their sport, you know? Like, right. Does God care? I don't know. Like, and when you get starting into Christianity, you, you start contradicting that. Where it's like, yes, God does care. God does, and and that's where theodicy comes in. Is how do you exp- how do you justify God's goodness, in in a world where there is evil and pain and suffering right. and all this kind of stuff? Okay, romance though, comedy, and romance and comedy kind of go together. Is all about life, and it's about the significance of joy and the significance of happiness and even body fulfillments like food and body pleasures. Like it in yeah, a tragedy, those are meaningless. It's a physical and spiritual. Yeah, exactly. In in romance, those things are not meaningless. Right. In romance, uh, a, a meal and the, and the body and the matter of the world has an intrinsic meaning. Mm-hmm. One of the easiest ways to give it that intrinsic meaning is to say that it's all faded. Right. That it was determined beforehand because everything and the way that it lines up is actually important. You know. So, all right. So moving on from that. Okay. Now. I would say we've we've talked enough about it in the theoretical. Yeah, so let's get down and, to brass tacks and the silver linings playbook. Yeah, let's talk about the movie we're supposed to talk about. Okay. Um, again, I mean it's 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 labeled as a as a romantic comedy drama, um, which which I think as we've as we've said it, it is better defined as a as a drama as a drama yeah with, with romantic and comedic aspects right and and it does it does have it does have comedic elements to it and there. Um, but this is it's a very well written movie um, it's put together very very well um, I didn't and maybe I'm thinking about no this is the same movie it's written by written and directed by the same guy or it's at least directed by the same guy that did The Fighter this one was? yeah oh wow have you seen The Fighter? yeah yeah which, which was another wait another, was that um Christian Bale? yes yeah. yeah, and uh, Mark Wahlberg. Right, that was actually a really well written movie too. Yeah, it was and, totally disturbing. On the right, day. right, but but it what and, and what the fighter did, it portrayed life in Boston and people from Boston perfectly, just just, just like they really are, just just like they they talk to each other in four word sentences and four letter words. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's how that's how they. That's how they are. This this one took place in Philadelphia. Silver Linings Playbook takes place in Philadelphia, and interestingly, they bring in Robert De Niro as the dad, mm-hmm. who you would think can't be anybody other than than a guy from New York. Right. And he pulls off the Philly guy. I mean, these are the people I grew up around. Mm-hmm. I grew up around 
these Philadelphia people who are, for, for whatever reason, they're always agitated. Right. Like, the city of brotherly love is just always agitated for whatever reason. Um, they're always looking for a fight. If, it, if you ever go to an Eagles game, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's just a, a, it's a fight waiting to happen. It's, just, it's, it's, it's always there in the background. And De Niro does a good job of, of getting into that culture. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a subtle difference between the New York attitude and the Philly attitude. And, and he, he pulls it off. It's 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 less it's less in your face. It's more passive aggressive, mm-hmm. but it's still aggressive. Right. And he and he does as the dad and and Bradley Cooper as the as the son does it does it. It's it, it's it's well acted. Everybody in it does a really good job, which which of course helps. Um, but I think that should also prove to to Christian filmmakers that look, this is a pretty simple story. There's not. I mean, there's conflict. There's 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 different things going on, and every person has their own baggage. But it's the acting that really makes this well-written script work. Um, that's one thing that, that is always lacking in, in quote-unquote Christian films is stellar acting. People that are acting in a believable way. The screenplay has a lot to do with that, though. Well, it does, but, the, but what, what even has more to do with that is the director. Yeah. The, the, the director has to be able to have a vision for the screenplay in his head, what mm-hmm. he wants... That that scene worked. That one didn't. Here's why, and to be able to communicate that to his to his actors. And if if you, if you don't have a director that can't do that, it doesn't matter how great your actors are. I mean, we've all seen movies utilizing a a list actors that are terrible. terrible. They pay, they put in a, a miserable performance, and it's mm-hmm. not their fault. No, they were they were given the direction. Yeah, it's a that's a really difficult issue though, because especially with movies, it's such a collaborative process. Sure, and so you never know what's going to be the the minor detail that's going to end up making the movie fail right Um, because it can happen with with screenwriting it it can happen with acting it can happen with directing but it can happen with editing you know or the cinematographer you know when when you've got like shaky cam going like Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes or even the score yeah like I've walked out of movies before because the score was so overweening and so terrible Mm mm-hmm I just felt like I couldn't get away from it, and then once I started noticing it, I couldn't stop noticing it, and right. it got so obnoxious to me. Right. Yeah. The movie I'm thinking of particularly, sorry, is Troy, oh. um, which I don't even know why we even saw that in the theaters, <laughs> but um, I did see that in the theaters, and I ended up walking out of it. But um, anyway, uh, and the score was the main reason why, because <laughs> oh. it was so awful. It was like... But like constantly throughout the whole thing, it was like constantly climaxing uh, with violin constant tension. Oh yeah, it was okay. terrible. It was like once I started noticing it, I could not stop <laughs> noticing it. And it I, I just I just had to leave. I was like, all right, babe, let's get out of here. <laughs> so my wife and I left. Um, but you know, one of the things I really appreciated about this movie, you're right, the acting was really good. Um, but I also thought that they did a good job pulling off dynamic characters, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do believably. Because um, a lot of times the payoff ends up feeling like an anticlimax. Right. Because uh, what you were hoping for, what you were longing for, when it actually is accomplished, it it feels like unbelievable. Well, it 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 feels like it was all about the performance, right. all about the 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 individuals acting rather than serving the story with that right. acting. Right. It becomes more of a performance for the sole reason of of having a great dramatic performance right. rather than does it actually serve what's going on in the narrative right is the, is the story actually being moved along right 
and yeah. that and that one does or this one does it quite well yes it really does and honestly i was talking to my wife about it after with uh, bradley cooper I'm kind of impressed with the guy. Yeah, I, I am really too. am. I, am I, I mean, when I, it's funny because Vanessa and I both said the exact same thing that when we've seen him before, we didn't really, you know, every time we see him that he's in a movie, he doesn't really register with me as oh he's worth following. Right. But then you, I thought back and I'm like, well, have I seen him give a bad performance? I'm like, well, not really. Yeah, I don't know that like, I've ever seen him in the lead before. Um, I mean, I saw the words, yeah, and we, and we talked about that a little bit before, and that's a whole other episode if we want to. But right, um, but I don't know that. I think that might have been the first time I saw him actually in the in the lead role. Well, Limitless, never saw it. It was actually a good performance too. I didn't necessarily like the movie that much, but I thought that he did a good job in it. Mm. And um, also, he seems like a pretty chill dude, right? Actually, right. he doesn't really seem. He doesn't seem okay. Brad Pitt has this sort sort of um, speaking of this guy again. There's another reason I walked out of Troy. <laughs> um, yeah, but Brad Pitt has this thing where where in his in his um, body movements and gestures, he seems aware of the fact that he is supposed to be attractive, and so he has this kind of swagger, but. George Clooney does it too. In fact, Ocean's Eleven is a perfect example of like a conglomeration of all the actors in Hollywood that swag. Okay, <laughs> like you know, they're not not to say that it's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't really like it all the time. Like there are times when I'm just like, okay, this is Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. This is George Clooney being George Clooney. You're suave. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah. That's one dimension. There are about three hundred thousand other dimensions that I would also like to see. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you're not capable of achieving those um, a lot of times because this one is so loud and so strong. It's like overwhelming all the other flavors of your acting. Sorry, um, Bradley Cooper doesn't strike me that way. Mm-hmm. You, it really, I, I really feel like he's fairly well represented in all those different elements that you're looking for out of a performance. And there seems to be a certain level of humility there as well, like um, where he, he was not an attractive character at the beginning of this movie. Like, not at all. Like, right. He was not likable. Right. He was not. Like, you're watching the movie, and you're like, you really do seem like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like a neurotic, bipolar, crazy person, and I don't like you. Yeah. Now, a lot of actors are kind of afraid of going all the way there, because they're, they're like, I don't like the way that makes me look. Yeah. And it's definitely the case that you have to pull something out of yourself in order to give those performances uh, believably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and authors have to do the same thing, and some authors will also pull back from certain things. We talked about this before with Dostoevsky and Crime and Punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Dostoevsky did not like himself very much in the process of writing Crime and Punishment because of the amount he had to get into the head of Raskolnikov, this murderer, and he did it really, really well, and and he created that character, and I'm sure that he pulled out of himself those dirty, dark things that he needed to find in order to write that character and that's that can be an extremely harrowing experience right. for an author or an actor I'm sure and so to be able to do that with humility and confidence and pull it up like that pull up those unpleasant things and say but this is really how how things are in a believable way for a good purpose and a good cause I think you know that's that's pretty impressive yeah. um, and it takes a lot of self-honesty that a lot of actors just don't have right. I think um, and then on the other end the female lead, Jennifer Lawrence. Man, she was really good too. Yeah, but but now now that you say that about 
about Bradley Cooper, and and don't get me wrong, Jennifer Lawrence did a great job. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she 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 played the role just exactly as as she, as she should have. It's it's really the same role that she always plays. She must, I mean, she just really must be an angry girl because um, she was. Uh, we just we just saw the Hunger Games, right? So she's kind of the same girl in that. She's kind of the same girl in Winner's Bone. It's and she's the same girl in in this one. This like self reliant. I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to I'm going to take charge, and it's my way or the highway. I, I, I get the feeling that she's kind of like that for real. That she's well, she was raised like. Did she send me that article? She was a farm girl. Yeah, 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 yeah you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which which is great. But yeah. can she show us in the future? Can she show us something else? Can she be like the tender, but loving? There was vulnerability there in was, this movie, and, there was. And, and it was made more effective by the fact that she was generally a very hard and difficult person. Right, and and, and in a sense, by necessity. Yeah, she was, and you know, we won't give give too much of the story away. But but there but there's both there's. Both of them essentially lost a spouse. Yeah, she um, through death, and and he through not divorce but separation. Yeah, she, she just left. Him. Um, yeah, she basically. Well, she cheated on him. She, she cheated on him. Yeah. So, you know, in in the biblical sense, it yeah, it was it was a as it was good, a divorce. As good as, yeah, yeah, it was, it was that was as legal as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're both looking for something, and they're not necessarily looking for each other, Mm-mm. but but they. But they ultimately do find it in each other, just not what they were looking for. Right? Not exactly what they were looking for. Not exactly what they w- were looking for at first, and then they realize over time that they are exactly what they're looking for. I yeah. guess. Um, okay. Here's another thing I really liked about this movie. I really appreciate it about this movie. Um, no external plot devices. Pretty much. I was thinking about it a lot. I was like, can I find any er- any area where the circumstances intervened in their relationship in order to hold them back from moving forward? Now, this is a classic thing for romantic comedies especially. Like, that, that there has to be some kind of circumstantial whatever that comes in and keeps them apart for a little longer because usually the story isn't solid enough and the characters aren't solid enough solid enough to actually delay the relationship development you know it's like well you know, there there was the, the the omnipresent police officer who who but, just who would just appear at a, he was he was like he was like Javert in well, in, yeah. in Les Mis. like come on he was pretty awesome this, this guy's everywhere i mean it was it was a good role and, and it was played well, but the, but it's it's like every time he was he he, he must have been shadowing. He uh, may have been. Yeah, he, he may have been. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, that was when, when when he showed up for the third time. Like, come on, yeah, okay. Come on. So you felt that way, yeah. I'm, I guess what I'm talking about. Let's go back to Shakespeare for a moment, as you can tell my uh, my knowledge of uh, of comedy is fairly dated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My knowledge of romantic comedies is fairly dated. I stopped right I after Shakespeare. I stopped in the 17th century. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else written after that? I'm not sure if anything's <laughs> worth reading after that. Um, anyway, but uh, Romeo and Juliet. A lot of Shakespeare scholars rate that as his worst, one of his worst, anyway, plays. A lot of them do. And one of the major reasons why they do is because rather than uh, relying on characters to drive the action, the, the, the play relies very much on circumstances. On the families. No, 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 no. Like, for instance, uh, on just, like, serendipity. 
and just accident, right? Um, for instance, like Romeo and Juliet could have easily both survived if she had just, you know, snapped out of her coma just you know a few minutes earlier. If somebody had walked in to tell Romeo just a few minutes earlier. If there's so much of it that depends on just circumstance, on yeah. on a on an external plot device, and not on the development of the characters. So I'm saying later on, Shakespeare started moving further away from these external plot devices and more towards constructing a story that was developed because of the outworkings of the inherent character of the characters. So like this is the nature of this character. So he would do this because he is motivated by the nature of his character mm-hmm. to do it. And when he interacts with this other character who's also motivated by his, his inherent nature, then things unfold and they develop because of their interactions, which then become a lot more realistic. It doesn't feel so much like the author is reaching in from outside to make things happen the way he wants them to happen. Um, and in most romantic comedies, there is so much of that. Where the screenwriter was like, all right, well, this is what needs to happen in order for this character to be here and this character to be here in this circumstance, because that would be funny. Wouldn't it be funny if such and such was at the house of so-and-so when so-and-so showed up? Let's create some circumstance or scenario where that can happen. Or she's going to (laughs) miss the elevator that takes her to the top of the Empire State Building. Exactly. (laughs) Right, 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 right. You know, and all of those things are so annoying to me, honestly. And there were plenty of times in this movie where they could have done it. Like, for instance, when she ran out at the end, you know, and 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 ran out of the uh, um, the ballroom or the dan- whatever area, the dance competition. dance competition area, and ran out into the street. I was like, oh no, please don't do it. Please do not let her be hit by a car. Okay, or 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 don't let it be raining. Don't let it be raining. <laughs> but whatever, I was just, you know, the, like just stay out of They're it. They're gonna have their last kiss in the rain. I just yeah, know, I know it. I know <laughs> it. I know it. Yeah. But one, but I was like, one way or the other, screenwriters, please stay out of this and let the characters do their thing, right? Because, like, you know, her, her husband got hit by a car, so it would make sense that yeah. she, you know, because there are so many circumstances. Okay, when she's at the bar and she's drinking vodka, yeah, you're thinking the whole time that she's doing that, oh, this is going to wreck shop. This is going to, she's going to get totally drunk. She's not going to be able to do the dance. You know, there are so many times when the circumstances could have worked out in such a way that everything fell apart. Like it could have at, at any moment in the in the movie, the the writers could have gotten in and delayed the development of this relationship through circumstances. Yeah, but see, that was another part where I guess my suspension, of di- kind of like the omnipresent cop. Yeah, um, where my suspension of disbelief, I mean, it didn't it didn't derail the movie for me. But she, I mean, she, and she wasn't drinking shot glasses no. of vodka. I mean, she's drinking. Well, she's clearly a raging alcoholic. I mean. But she's she's drinking, and, and then and then she goes out there, and it, it really really wasn't even an issue, right? Because she's clearly a functional drunk, right? I get we were we ever led to believe that? For I, I, I don't know, but it would make sense. I mean, yeah. But see that that that's where I, I think there was there was an element written in there that that was was kind of taking you one direction, yeah. And but, then it, then it just got completely but negated. That was purposeful. That's what I'm saying, because. The whole concept of the movie, like, okay, classic example. He reads Farewell to Arms, Ernest Hemingway, he, and he throws the book out the window, yeah. and he's like, I hate this book. Yeah. You know, he has all this chance. Like, we know the world's terrible. We know the world's full of terrible things and really sad and depressing, but when we I don't read need a, a book, book to, I don't want to yeah. have it be ending like this. Yeah. You know, he like wakes up the, his parents I want the happily ever after. after. Exactly. Yeah. I want the happily ever after. And that's what I'm saying. So maybe what I'm saying is... 
the authors did kind of intervene. They intervene in a way where it's like, here's what could have happened. There are so many moments in the movie where you're thinking, okay, this could happen. So, okay, for instance, she drinks vodka, and rather than it working out good, well, she gets totally trashed. Mm-hmm. And she can't do the dance, and they end up getting a 4.8, you know? And so, like, they fail. Okay, she runs outside after the thing, after they've succeeded that, and she gets hit by a car. Could have happened. You know, or what if uh, the, the the Eagles just hadn't won that game, or what if mm-hmm. uh, you know they hadn't been able to have the parlay bet or whatever to get back his money, and he just ended up being broke, or what if you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like all throughout the movie, you could say, you know, this is what could have happened. Right. The screenwriters could have made it happen that way, and it wouldn't have been unbelievable. But what I think is interesting is that the way they did work it out does feel somewhat believable even though it was a happy ending mm-hmm. and that is really good screenwriting yeah because it could have been it, it, it's easy in a lot of ways to let things just devolve in and degenerate in, in, into their natural state of of you know badness mm-hmm. and tragedy but these particular screenwriters it's, it's almost like they set it up from the beginning it's the whole point of Silver Linings playbook the yeah. idea of like the silver lining the fact that things are bad yeah. and it's believably bad when it's bad but there's an element of the good end, there and it works out right and that's somehow and and that that's really not even I mean that's something he picked up in therapy apparently right but, but there's a that there's a that, yeah that, that there's a silver lining to to every situation everything that happens and that, I mean that's that's ultimately the providence of God there it's, it's not explicitly stated no, that way not. but that's but that that's exactly right but it, you come back to the faded issue the issue of fate the issue of things being organized from above and you, there being an intrinsic meaning because something is applied to it as a meaning yeah you come back to what I still count as the most difficult verse in the Bible James 1 2 Count it all joy, my brothers, when mm-hmm. you encounter trials of various kinds. Right. We don't do that. No, I don't do that. I don't, I don't know many people that do, but that's what what's what James is saying to do. Mm-hmm. That when you encounter trials of various kinds, not only are you supposed to not be surprised, you're supposed to expect it, but from that, you're supposed to count it all joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's... That's a that's a difficult way to live, mm-hmm. but but to, for those people that that really really do, and they are very very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably count the number of people on one hand, and and I think all of us at, at different moments in time have it, you know, because we've we've either been prepared or anticipated or or just w- w- whatever's going on at, the, at that at that time we're we're ready for it and like mm-hmm. okay yeah I, this I can consider all joy. Last week I couldn't. Next no. week I can't, and and that's that's an element that, that was never it was never it was never brought out and and stated that way. But that that's one of the things that and probably because I think about that verse a lot mm-hmm. because it's so an, anti me, it's so anti, antagonistic to the way I live my life. I don't I, I don't go running around looking for trials to count joy. <laughs> you know, I, no. I try to avoid them. I don't um, but that—that's not what, what we're, we're as Christians supposed to do, and in this in this movie, it's it's presented in a realistic way. I that agree. that that doctrine is presented in a realistic way that you can count it joy. It doesn't mean you will at the moment or at the time, but when you wake up the next day or the next week and you look back, you're like, "Wow, I, I'm glad that happened mm-hmm. because it made me do this, this, and this." It's hard to view those moments though. 
in the process of them exactly. as opportunities. Right. Because, I mean, really, the point of the James verse, I mean, you go on to say because the trials work, perseverance, right. and yada, yada, yada. And which, growth and maturity. Growth and maturity, right. right. So, you know, ultimately, you're, you're supposed to learn to look at those trials right. as opportunities, even in the moment of trial. And, but that's only because of the promise that follows. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that and, is true. And, that, that's the whole idea of faith, right. though. I mean, like, you're looking forward to something that's already that's been promised to you by someone god whose promises are so sure that you can actually access the fulfillment of those promises even before right. the quote unquote fulfillment of right. them like it's like it's that weird thing of the already not yet distinction that's yeah. all throughout the scriptures yeah we all yeah. have a silver lining playbook yeah exactly yeah anyway I, I you know i don't know that i would recommend the movie to everybody in the universe but um i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah. and i do not like romantic comedies at all and it reminded me of a lot of ways uh of i don't know if people have seen uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mm-hmm. mind but as far as the quality of the screenwriting obviously the directorial style is very very different nobody mm-hmm. directs quite like michelle gondry does but um I think that uh, the the substance of the movies are similar in, in in the way that they portray real people in real relationships. Right. Uh, the way that real people relate to one another. Um, you know, it's not hyper dramatic, unless it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are times when things get super dramatic where people right. are yelling at each other. Right. You know, and hitting like one in another. the diner. Right. The scene in the diner. Right. Where, where the, it's a didn't feel like they were laying it on thick, no. though. I mean, it felt like felt like that's the way it was. Right. You know? um, and I also liked the fact that both of the main characters were were kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, they were messed up in the head. Right. They were messed up in the soul. Right. They both recognized it, and I appreciated that the uh, that in a way they were they were given gifts gifts through. Um, other people, but also uh, gifts of just, I mean, I, obviously the the movie does not state this explicitly, but gifts of, of providence. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, beautiful moments right. uh, that they were both able to appreciate. Um, and it, I, I think I would enjoy watching it again more even than I enjoyed it the first time. Because the first time I was watching it, I was kind of on edge thinking about all the bad ways that each of these different circumstances could have turned out. Yeah. But now, having seen the movie and being confident, you know, that it, it's not going to be like that, yeah. I feel like I could rest a little bit easier and watch it with a greater deal of enjoyment. Right. And there's, uh, you, you go to Rotten Tomatoes, and you don't, you don't see many movies that, that, get, that get the 90s from the critics and from, and from the viewers. And, right. and this is well into the 90s on, on both sides. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know that, that, that most of those people could say why, why they rated that movie so high. It's just unlike most movies you see. Yeah. There's there's a there's a depth of, of, of authentic authenticness there that, mm-hmm. that you don't get that you don't get elsewhere. It doesn't feel forced, it doesn't feel like it's like it's trying to be something it's not. It but just at the is. same time a happy ending. Right. Which that's what you usually don't get. Yeah. And I, I, I that's almost kinda of the theme or concept of of the movie is you know why can't a happy ending be believable right and uh because a lot of people don't believe happy endings i mean because 
the, the realm of fantasy and the realm of romance are really very closely aligned in the sense that fantasy wish fulfillment is part of what romantic movies are all about we know it's not really like that mm-hmm. You know, we know that people don't really function that way and that these scenarios and circumstances don't happen and, you know, that uh, all blah, yada, yada. We know these movies are not real. Yeah. Okay, we know that. But we still watch them and and, and some, some almost unattainable longing in us is tickled by those movies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and this, and and they don't give it all away either. No, because we don't ever know what he whispered into his wife's ear. No, which you know, driving home that that night, I was, I was thinking, well, I'd really like to know what he said, but you don't have to know what he said because you know what he did. So you, you get a general idea of what he said, um, but not specifically, and and that's and that's fine, because how many how many times in in in, in real life. Have you have you been in a situation where you think you know what somebody else is thinking or what they're going to say, and they say something else? But based on on actions is is what is what 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 really matters. Mm-hmm. And and his actions from running downstairs looking for her, going out in the street where where it wasn't raining, it was there was there was no. Although, and she didn't get hit by a car. Yeah, although it those those streets are mysteriously empty for being Philly. There's there there's there's an awful lot of cars not there. Well, there's a Philly that, game that, that, that should have just went there. on. So yeah, everybody's yeah. in a bar getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, there. But you just described every night in Philly. So, oh, but but there's still cars. <laughs> yeah, they're still driving. Yeah, getting drunk at bars doesn't stop them from driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I mean. I, for me, that about that that about wraps it up. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah, I it, and and li- and like Michael said, there's definitely elements to it. If 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 language bothers you, it's probably not the no, nope. not the uh, shouldn't be the first choice on the list. Um, We've already talked about this. Though. Yeah, I mean, they're crazy people. They yeah. have bipolar disorders. They're angry. You know, I, they're in Philly. They're in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we need to add yeah. other reasons why? That's pretty much enough, right, right. there. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's portrayed realistically, but it's but it it's it, it never feels gratuitous. Mm-mm. It's it's not it's not language for language's sake. It's just it's just how they talk, right? And there were definitely some sexually suggestive stuff, mm-hmm. but even on those on those fronts, most of that was done for the purpose of you know. To, for the story, yeah. for the sake of the story, right. it was important to the movement of the story and the development of the characters. It wasn't just for eye candy or whatever right. else, and and it was also very important that the the scene of the wife in the shower, yeah, that was very important to understand because the image in his head, no man, yeah, exactly. knows until he's faced with that situation what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You may very well beat a guy within an inch of his life right. as well, yeah. Um, so yeah. that that's helpful in understanding him. Yeah, where he's, he's coming he's not, from. He's and not the image just, that's burned into his skull. Like, exactly. You know? I mean, like, and it, it makes that when he flips out in the doctor's office because of that song. Yeah. It makes that oh okay, yeah he's a little he's a little psycho, mm-hmm. but aren't we understandably? All? Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I don't know. Faced with that situation, could I? Would I be the same way? Right. Maybe I don't know. Um, but it, but it's not it's not just it's not psychosis for 
for the sake of of, of moving the movie along. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's an actual really important thing tied to it. Yeah, it's a nicely paced movie too. Right. I think um, you know it's evenly paced, mm-hmm. um, which is really nice. Yes, and it could have been longer. As far as the development was concerned, I'm sure in the book, I'm sure the the way that it develops is much slower, mm-hmm. um, and I, they had to condense that for the movie. Um, it, not to say the movie should have been longer. I'm saying that the that the yeah. that for the sake of the characters and the sake of the story, I can imagine the novel was probably longer, right. developing that relationship between the two main characters, um, and I'm sure that then the payoff in the end was even more. Uh, Satisfying, right? Having having been able to spend that entire time with that those characters, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think it probably could have been shorter, 10, fifteen minutes shorter as a movie. Yeah, um, I think, but but has. it didn't, it didn't seem like it was too long. It, it didn't wear out its welcome. I wasn't no. I wasn't happy when it was over necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was, I thought it was a good resolution, but I wasn't like, oh, mm-hmm. finally, now I can now I can leave. About it was it was it was it was just, it was just I ran about out right. Of Sour Patch Kids like thirty minutes right. ago. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think we've. Yeah, do we have to give it like a rating or something? Yeah, I think I think that's what we do, isn't that what isn't we do? Isn't it we do? Oh, yeah, yeah we but do that. you know, we're not going to use stars though. We're going to use goldfish. Excellent. Out of a but it's it's and 50, it's not out of five. It's no, out of seven. Fifty. Fifty goldfish. Oh. It's a sliding scale. Uh huh. Sometimes a seven. All right. We'll give your give your fifty goldfish rating. I will give it three pickles out of fifty goldfish. That's much higher than I thought it would be. That's a lot, though. Yeah, that is extraordinary. That that rating, I don't give any movie that high of a rating, especially not romantic comedies. Yeah, I can understand why that would be. Um, I guess I'll have to go with three pickles as well. Three pickles. Yeah. yeah. All right. Maybe three and a half. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. Really I'm a gross. I'm a sucker for romantic comedies. So, so that especially, might even be more than fifty goldfish. Especially right ones that are dramatic. Yeah, that's true. I'm not I'm not sure of the of the current exchange rate. I'm just but, talking about like calories and you know nutritional yeah, content. That's true. That is true. Um, well, if you can't tell, because the veggie to carbohydrate exchange rate is extremely high right now. Yeah. I think we've. I think we're at the point where we have to sign off. <laughs> I think. I think that's it. I've lost my mind. We, yeah. The, the one. The one person that's still listening is 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 ready to tune out right now. So, Speaking of things going on too long, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Dragging it out. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, this is this has been Movieology, episode three. 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 Thanks for listening. Yes. I'm Eric. I'm Michael. See you next time. Bye.